Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show, a weekly podcast where artists and performers go to chat about nothing. Hosted by Canadian singer-songwriter Todd Donald. Welcome to the newest Todd Donald Show. As evergreen as I'd like for all these to be, we are in a pandemic right now. So keep your distance, be safe, stay clean, sensible. Don't watch too much news, but stay informed, be positive, and uh, get me a loaf of bread. JP Sunga is a fantastic singer-songwriter and simultaneously a loving family man. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at JP Sunga Music. Especially as, if not more importantly, he's on Facebook under JP Sunga Music at JP Sunga Official. I've already heard one of his brand new songs, Listen to Your Heart, and I absolutely adore it and have played it on this podcast. So please welcome someone whom, among all things mentioned above, is a multi instrumentalist, very handsome man, and one of my oldest friends, JP Sunga. How's it going, sir? What up? Hey, <laughs> I am good. <laughs> How are you? Good. Like I, I wrote an intro that I'm delivering with you in the conversation. Did it sound prepped or what? <laughs> no, it sounded great. It was it was very pro. So good on you. <laughs> I'm talking to you from again Joe Haven Nunavut or none of it for the self. You're coming to me from Waterloo. It would be Waterloo. You got from, it from down the street from my parents' place. Yeah. How how are you today? It's still. Do you still feel like it's morning? I do. I I do get up pretty early to to jump online and kind of do some work stuff and then the kids get up and then they've got their own homeschooling thing going on with my wife Janet so like sometimes I feel like it's still morning and then I look at the time and it's three o'clock and I'm like what happened to my day (laughs) I'm very much in that phase right now where I feel like it's like 10 o'clock but it's actually noon no that's real do you drink coffee? I do not. I'm a tea drinker, but I don't even drink tea in the morning. I just jump right in. I mean, I'm really cool. I like both. Uh, coffee <laughs> coffee has its benefits and its drawbacks health-wise. So I should tell are you. Are you one of those that, oh, I was going to ask, are, are you one of those that you cannot function if you do not have a cup of coffee? A cup of coffee. <laughs> I get a craving for it, but I can function without it. Who are those losers? <laughs> You are one of the kindest people I've ever met. And Uh, we've had the fortune maybe of being like in the same room or vicinity, but a handful of times. But over 15 years of knowing each other. Do you remember how we sort of first connected? I was actually going to ask you that because if we both remember, there's less of me talking if you tell me how you remember it. So I guess it would be back in Toronto. We both had a uh, a mutual friend, acquaintance, fellow musician, Peter Katz. Mm-hmm. And he, I guess, was starting or he wants to explore building a community of, I guess, us fellow types to get together, to listen to each other's songs, give feedback, and kind of make, make it this learning experience and also bettering of ourselves as artists and musicians. Although it didn't actually pan out or go from there at least not from what i remember that's where we met you'd come in from kitchener and i'm like "Ooh, somebody from kitchener (laughs) the first i think you're like the first person i knew from from kitchener um the ambassador and that's great (laughs) are they all all awkward lennon wannabes (laughs) i don't know how many there were but i went to two but i have a photo 
uh, in the photo is Peter, you, and a fellow named Giuseppe. But I remember meeting you, and I don't think we got in contact right away. I think it was like MySpace. Like, okay. That was still kicking around <laughs> because you were the ambassador for Kitchener for me. <laughs> <laughs> when I did eventually move into town due to work, I remember saying to myself, like, the amount of people that I know from this area, I could count on one hand. And you were one of them. Yeah, I think I'd reached out to all of you and um, was like, how's it going? Remember me? We had a chance to jam. I think that was like one time you came over, right? Yeah, I was going to say like, and all the time that we lived down the street from each other, that happened once. (laughs) It happened once. It's not about why. It's just funny. It's life, right? (laughs) I know um, we were just early on in our parenthood. I remember like that jam session for me it was so rare, you know, like we have this like new human being in our lives. Right. How do you ever even put anything else in into your day aside from that and work? And I did, I struggled a lot. I think, I know we mentioned it um, earlier about the the work-life balance thing, but like that was like work, life, life. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you're just learning, you're just learning about being a parent. So I remember like that gems session was probably like one of the only few that I had to sort of escape. And (laughs) I say escape, that makes me sound terrible. That, even um, even loving parents need to escape. It's, it's, it's just the truth. And you know what? I can wax yeah. intellectual about it. I've never done it. And I admire anyone who, who has or does and gives a shit. But the, even the best parents are just like, I need a break from these little fuckers. I'm going to go to the same. If you're indulging at all, it's going to feel like I'm willing to bet. I don't know. I'm getting away with something. And you kind of feel bad about it, maybe. And maybe there was an element of that. Figure. Always an element of that guilt, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The 2010s, I'd only just recently embraced my love of pop music and all sorts of fun, danceable type music that was not rock and roots and, you know, a bunch of things anti that. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's one of the things that I... It sounds so stupid to, like be scared of but as musicians you know it's not always <laughs> cool <laughs> to, right to, to be that much into like pop stuff when i started out jamming and you know like connected with friends who also enjoy the same thing that was in the 90s that was in the thick of like the boy bands and sort of dance pop stuff mm-hmm. um, that was also coming from like the 80s michael jackson janet jackson Prince and all that good stuff that is in my blood like that's in my roots and I can't escape that but every time I'm thinking I'm gonna go do a jam with other musicians you don't want to pull that stuff out because it's like oh is that gonna seem to like where's Beatles where's Radiohead like it it seems like that the dance pop things are like the things that you kind of stay away from yet here you were hey let's jam I dig this stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> well, we're we can actually do this. Yeah, of course, man. <laughs> Every little thing I do. For Don't get me started. <laughs> you and I should do a duet of that one. It's such a good you song. You want to do that one? Yeah. The <laughs> There's one so many was, to choose from. I know. Gone is a really good one too. Oh my gosh. 
This so is when like, Pharrell was yeah. producing shit for everyone. Did he do that one? I can't. He didn't remember. do Gone. Um, he did um, Girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That would be from the same album, Gone. There are a few songs that they jump out at me for different reasons, and f- that one, the production at that time was just like, what is this? It just completely like pfft, that stop and go type of yeah feel, and then also the chord progression i remember i was like Mm. oh my goodness like these are things that if i'm generalizing you hear it and you're like ah like whatever and then you dance or you like you're it's it's hooky i'm here like getting deep because gone in particular and i'm sorry if i'm going on a tangent here no the verses are in major and Mm. then the chorus hits and then that same chord is in minor and i'm like what i remember just like oh my gosh so I do credit a lot of moments like that in pop music that had really kind of spoken to me as a songwriter and expanded my way of thinking. So you mentioned Gone, and I'm you know just like, 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 I love, love, love that song. It's possible, dare I speak for your music, but I'm, sh- I'm sure that's in your DNA because somehow elementally, you know, we all have our tool bags. I'm loving what I'm hearing so far of your new music. There's an element of that in Listen to Your Heart. Like the stop and go thing? Yeah, a little bit of that. But you have your own way of, of wielding the rhythmic tone, if that makes The song is very self-aware in deciding where the beat is. Yeah. No, you're right. Like that one in particular, I remember when I was writing it, I very much start off most songs with set patterns. Phrases are, well, like eight bars, you know, like things like that. But this song drove me differently in that I felt like I needed to start the verse now. I didn't want to wait another two bars, you know, like, and usually I would, that would override. But for that song, I'm like, let's just go with what it feels. Mm -hmm. And that's awesome that you picked up on that because um, like in all the interviews that I've done so far, no one's actually talked about that detail. So yeah, technical shit. Good on you. Fun, isn't it? Hey, listener, old buddy, old pal, stay tuned for a brand new track by JP, introduced by JP himself at the end of this conversation. That song will be available everywhere online as of tomorrow, May 29th. Follow at JP Sangha Music on Instagram for the easy clickety-clack way of getting to it, and we'll go through that website stuff at the end, of course, uh, later. Right now, though, I'd like to play Listen to Your Heart. We were just talking about that track, and now you get to listen to it. It was made available on January 1st, this year, 2020, and it's called Listen to Your Heart by J.P. Sanga. When you've lost your way And you're all alone And you want to scream But you can't, you won't When the words are few And the tears don't show find a way just listen to your heart it will take you home listen to your heart it will take you home listen to your heart it will take you home Astray 
is hurt But you gotta stand When you wanna crash But you need to land There's another way And you will find that way Just listen to your heart Listen to your heart, it will take you home. Listen to your heart, it will take you home. Oh, 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 oh. nobody said it ever be this way. Time to hesitate No, no matter what it pushes through your veins To take you home Take you home When you're lost inside And you're feeling low And you want your mind that you can't control But you know what lies Just behind that wall You will find your way You will find a way Just listen to your heart It will take you home Listen to your heart It will take you Listen to your heart, it will take you home. Listen to your heart, it will take you home. Oh, 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 oh. There's an element in songwriting, I'm, I'm not telling you anything. Uh, wouldn't you agree that the song will inform? if there's a rule book, when breaking it is the right thing to do. And I, I love when people are saying to you in the song subliminally, I'm in control. And this is intentional. So if it doesn't sound like it's starting where it otherwise would from a mechanical songwriting point of view, it sounds right. And you know it does. You don't know why. <laughs> would you agree? It's totally... That's one of the things that I like through the album project now that I'm gaining a huge appreciation for. And it's that the arrangement, the production mm. side of it. This is my very first project like this. As long as I've been doing music, I haven't had the opportunity to actually release like a legit album. And so up until now, it songwriting has just been the thing. And then the occasional gig, so then there's performing. But like this whole thinking about, you know, the arrangement, the backdrop to the songs, like you're mentioning, there's stories that you can tell that underlie the mm. actual lyrics and the melody. 
you can really give that story so much more depth and flavor just by some of the choices that you make behind it. I'm learning a lot and I'm having fun. And it is also really, it can be overwhelming because there are so many options. Right. Like I'm lucky to be working with Sam, my producer, who does a lot of sort of reeling me in and then also allowing me to draw on his experiences, um, mm-hmm. arranging and production. So yeah, such a cool thing. Let's do a bullet point summary of your music career up to this point, because I'd be very interested to have you tell me when I saw the picture on Facebook, your old boy band. <laughs> I guess I'm kidding. But you were in a band. You were in a big group. Something with the number six. I, I, I know where you're coming from. Um, I use the hashtag that said like oh. the original six. The Rice Junkie Collective is, Sweet. it was uh, early 2000s. We never defined ourselves as an actual group. We were like, a collection of individual artists. Right. Most significantly, we were really good friends and we enjoyed jamming a lot together and enjoyed similar genres of music as sort of a collective. We did a few, like a handful of performances and we were, I guess, like the core six, but there were a handful of others that would sort of rotate into the fold uh, for various performances. Those were great days. For that that outfit, I played mostly keys, I guess some vocal, whether background or leads, but we did have two very strong leads. Yeah, and I, I wrote. So um, the genres that we played around with mostly were around like acid jazz and soul funk. And yeah, some of the songs that I wrote for like that era are still some of... And I don't know how that sounds to say there's some of my favorite because <laughs> yeah. I wrote them. But it sounds like, like a yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess like you can look at your songs as like your children too, right? So yeah. I do look at them affectionately. Like I, I really enjoy those tracks. And it also brings back a lot of great memories with those guys. That's cool. Um, as far as your, your life as a singer-songwriter, like between that band or collective and now, what would you say was the highlight? There wasn't like a, the collective was going on. I was starting to branch out to do sort of the singer songwriter thing. So I was doing my rounds in like the small Toronto bars and lounges and everything. In that whole sort of solo thing, there was this one contest that was put out for like unsigned artists across Canada. And they were going to like select 10 or 12 artists who they thought were like the um, up and coming artists to like look for. Yeah. Like I think at the time, like the way that they promoted it was like, they had like little insert flyers in like CDs. So I'd always see this. I'm like, okay, why not? I'll take a shot at this. To my surprise, I actually ended up making that shortlist. And so that was actually with the song operator. I don't know if it's the one defining highlight that I want to, emphasize on but like it is definitely like an important one that at least told me that the songs in my head and the songs that I enjoyed writing actually resonated with others like I didn't right I didn't know these people I guess there was a voting process or whatever and that was like okay well maybe I should continue doing this stuff and sharing it if anything like that was sort of my like keep going well, knowing that, that was, you can make that kind of connection, I think has to be, well, I've lived my own version of it, but a life-changing experience or moment. 
I think it would be now, like the decision and the commitment actually making a full-length album. It is everything to me. I'm saying like at the moment, it's everything to me, but even after it's completed and it's out there, it will remain the most important thing of my career. And I, yeah. I say career in quotes because, <laughs> I mean, it isn't my career, but like, like yeah. The lines might be blurred from like, it's career, but it's also my life and it's also my family. It's all these things simultaneously, maybe. That's exactly right. I can talk for you. Let's do this. <laughs> you, you look like a young 25-year-old. How far off am I? Oh, you stop. <laughs> Age-wise? Yeah. You're joking, right? I do kind of mean that, but I'm also trying to find a, a lateral move, backdoor entrance to the question of how old are you now? 41. That's I, not true. Dude. Totally. Oh, man, you are a piece of shit because you do look like you're in your <laughs> 20s still. But here's the thing. Riddle me this. How old were you <laughs> when you fell in love with music? I was 10 or 12. I remember it because that's the age that I started writing. That's where I discovered wow. that the songs that I heard on the radio that I loved so much didn't just appear they actually were created by somebody. And at that age, those realizations are just like, they're, they're life-changing. Yeah. It's like somebody, anyone can make that. Being aware of that, I was also in the midst of like learning the piano. So I was just starting like grade one piano. It was also around that age that I realized that songs I can hear, I can just play on the piano right all of that was starting to connect together and then the whole like you can write if you want just blew everything out of the box i started playing around with chord progressions and melodies and started writing songs and i'm like oh my gosh this is so fun that was around 10 or 12 when did you feel like you had a comfortable relationship with your own creativity and the ability to tap into it? I feel like it was still around that age. Right. It did mature my relationship or my openness to, um, to being creative. I started getting like really deep into it probably late 90s when I was really starting to perform a lot which was in the early 2000s. So earlier on, I was really comfortable with kind of exploring your body, like I know. songwriting. <laughs> yeah, songwriting. Sorry, songwriting. <laughs> yeah, so like... You didn't deny it, so... <laughs> this isn't going to kill the, uh, the album for anyone, I don't think. <laughs> Never going to buy his music. So I think if I wasn't able to do that comfortably at the start, I probably would have just stayed the heck out of it because I was obviously going into, like for myself, uncharted territory. I was so early on learning the piano. I didn't know theory. I didn't know any of the mm. stuff. I was just going with the feeling. I can understand why you would say like, I wouldn't step on the hallowed ground of it. <laughs> because like you said, from that early of an age, you had this great respect for the song. And with that mystification, the wide-eyed, how does that come to be? What? That's great. Yeah, I totally yeah. was. We're going to talk about <laughs> family now, man. I wanted to know something that you both value and think about a lot. 
family and legacy was the thing, right? As I was sort of alluding to, including yourself, you have an adorable wife and kids. If it were legally possible, I'd fucking adopt you guys. <laughs> adopt the, you'd all come in a basket. Um, let me think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so who was living in the yeah. house when you were growing up? So I had both my parents and then I had one older sister, five years older than me. Okay. Did you feel provided for and all that? Yeah, I did. It was always interesting to me, or no, it was challenging growing up because when I was discovering the whole music thing, a lot of it I really wanted to sort of do on my own. When I discovered the piano and my ability to sort of like play things that I hear, we didn't have a piano and it would only be like if I was in somebody else's house who had one and I would always be like, I'd go there. And then my parents would be like, oh, let's buy him a piano. That comes with lessons. Oh, hold on. (laughs) I don't know if I want lessons. No, you're having lessons. I did formal like piano lessons for two years and it was the worst. This was no longer my personal thing that I'm discovering. Um, That's just my own. It's now like, now you better practice. You better do good. We bought this piano. And so there's like pressure and it wasn't fun anymore, right? right? Even with me saying that, I'm not knocking it for like parents who do do that. And even looking in retrospect, they were obviously just trying to, like they saw music was something that potentially I was gravitating towards. And so I get it now. They just wanted to feel that in the way that they knew how. And so as parents, you know, you give them the tools that they need and the education. And so that was the piano. That was the lessons. Right. But to me, it was like, no, it's like another thing you're trying to control. And so like, yeah. so I ended up hating it. Like I had quit at grade two for about a year after I quit. I never touched that piano. I hated it so much. Right. I even remember, and I didn't think about this until now. I was so upset at it. I believe one of the keys broke because <laughs> of me. <laughs> So after that year of just like, oh, this stupid instrument, it crept back in. I kind of just wanted to like tinker around, see if I can still play songs that I hear on the radio without actually reading any music. And that snowballed into like everything going forward. Your, your question was, did I feel supported at the time? Probably not. Where now, in hindsight, yes, they definitely were trying to support me in the way, the only way that they knew how to. The one thing that maybe did discourage me was every time we had guests over, they always had to ask me to play something. (laughs) What, am I a show monkey? Like, I don't want to do that. Uh, All those experiences kind of added up to me taking my music and hoarding it for myself um because yeah even though again they were supportive you're you're the von trap like (laughs) yeah i didn't want to be that and i mean like as a good asian child i obliged sometimes but i really really didn't like that i am as grandparents sorry now what's that i'm the the interrupter (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so when did you and Janet get together, get married? Um, I mean, on the same married. day, did you meet and get married on the <laughs> same day? We actually knew each other from high school, but we didn't 
date in high school. Um, she was in grade nine when I was in grade 12. So we were band geeks. This was a fact. And she was, for a grade nine, was really advanced. And so she got asked to play in the senior band, which I was in. We didn't know each other necessarily, but we knew of each other. And then it wasn't until I graduated and then I would come back. Um, one of the teachers that I really connected with of all my high school teachers was my music teacher, shocking. Even when I was in university, I would come back and I would visit. And at that point, Janet was really involved with music council. And so she would be hanging around. We got a chance to really start talking when she went to university, we had mutual friends. And then so we'd keep running into each other um, yeah. at various things. And then there was a Sheryl Crow song playing, I might be in your future. I'm sorry. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's how, that's how it happened. And then in 2008, we got married. The first child came out around 2012, 2013. 2009 was our first okay and then 2011 was our second right i assume it was intentional it was intentional yes <laughs> were, were you guys trying or were you guys just like whatever man we're married i like i remember being like we're ready for this like i remember being in that sort of mindset we got married around the time that a lot of our friends were getting married. It was um, the thing to do, but, you uh, know, newspaper or nickel. Everyone's, getting everyone's doing popping. it. <laughs> That's again, not to be rude. That's um, me doing my thing. No, it's all good. Um, everyone was getting married, but not everyone was necessarily talking about like starting the family thing. Jan and I had been together for like a number of years by that point. Mm. Um, I think mentally we felt ready. We also like had no idea what we were actually getting into. So there was also that kind of like, yeah, we're, we can do this. Totally. A kid would um, look nice with that couch. Yeah. It was definitely more than your typical like, okay, well now we got married. Now we got to do this. No, right. it was like, we actually were like really excited to start a family. I think you oh. could tell that I'm on like a road. I want to know what it was like for you growing up, the child in a family, and now you're a parent. So at whatever point before this album took flight, I, I'm sure these things were spinning around in your mind. Does any of it have to do with mortality? Absolutely. I guess it does come part of being a parent, mortality, right? Absolutely. Um, Part of being a parent is is understanding that whole mortality, um, how things are going to come to an end. And it's more than just you being here and you not. There are things that I care about now, like leaving something for my kids so that if I'm no longer here to be with them, that they can still feel like I'm there. Part of that for me is leaving something that represents a part of my life that I deem really significant, and that's my music. So if something were to happen to me tomorrow, the thought of not having that left for them mm -hmm. completely freaks me out. It, like It's obviously, and not being there and witnessing them growing up and, and all that, but yeah, it would like music is such a big part of me. Why don't I have that? And so that would always pick at my head and my heart until finally, like going into getting older, 
So right. when I was 39 and I was approaching, like this was my last year of my 30s. I'm like, <laughs> okay, this is like obviously not going to go backwards. That was sort of my motivation to be like, you got to do this. Like, there's, you can wait around for your entire life for the right moments, the right time financially, the right schedule. There's always going to be something that's going to fill in that time. It was a matter of just like I, I was talking with Janet. She obviously knew how important this was for me. And so she gave me the thumbs up, even though like none of it made sense. Like I don't really have that extra money to funnel into this. But when you schedule it and commit to something, it then just becomes like you, you take all the actions and the steps to going forward with it. And you find the time, you find the finances. It's, it's initiative, but it's also like, is this even a smart thing to do? Uh-huh. Um, you're in a family of five and they're dependent on you to provide for them. Right. Um, this is a very selfish thing. I mean, I know I'm doing it That's for back like- to what we were saying before my too. kids. Yeah, yeah. So that, that guilt. But Janet coming on board- and being like, this is huge for you. Let's do it. It doesn't matter if we don't know how we're going to find the time to do it. It doesn't matter where we think we're going to get the money to just do it. Without that support, I think I still would be in that position of being like, I don't know. Oh my gosh, where am I going with this? (laughs) (laughs) You thought maybe the project and the time it would take and the you it would take away could only be slotted under vanity, perhaps, in some way. Because I know that my goal isn't necessarily to like be the next pop star. Right. Um, why am I doing this? That was a big part of it, like the why and understanding why. And as I started realizing why I had that still picking away at my head, it was because I'm a father. I care about my kids. It's because I care about my legacy. It was also... Partly driven by the fact that for the past 10 years, there's been a lot of, like, as a parent, you just kind of like, you give, 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 give. There's like so much about taking care of others. And you start to, maybe this is just me, but you kind of at some point feel empty. All the things that you were so passionate about that mattered to you, what's happening with that? You're just so busy doing all this other stuff for others, but you're not necessarily doing the thing to take care of your own soul and feed that passion. And so it was almost like a gift back to myself to be able to commit to this and to just do it. It feels meant to be that you have work, life, and also your art is back into it. There Mm. was this empty end of the seesaw without an ass on it. I'm like, why isn't it moving? I don't know. That's it, it's accurate. That it <laughs> definitely, <laughs> um, I definitely do like feel like I'm fulfilling that void, providing that ask for that third C, <laughs> right? <laughs> on this, on on the triangle seesaw. Um, yeah. Um, your loving investment in being a dad and husband has been beautiful to see. I don't feel like, like no partner or child wants to rob anyone of anything, but sometimes the duties of just from what I have observed of being a parent are so demanding that there are years where you don't 
get eight hours of sleep for months and it is what it is, but it's a beautiful thing. And you're now taking the time to produce this album or is it, is it a full album? 10, 12 track LP. Yeah. Nice. And when, if so, do you have it slated to, to be birthed? <laughs> it was supposed to be December, 2020, obviously with things. What do you it mean? Has what are you talking about? <laughs> What's going on? Is there something I don't um, know about? Not being able to um, to be in the studio with Sam uh, for the past couple months now. Um, it's really significantly changed the timeline. I don't know yet what that means. Um, I'm still going to try to push for it. I think realistically, I might have to be a couple months out from my right. target date. There you go, waiting for the right time again. <laughs> Okay, so do you want to reiterate where your lovely online homes are? You can, I guess, find me at jpsunga.com, J-P-S-U-N-G-A.com. I've got all the links to all the socials. Uh, apparently, J.P. Sunga is past tense for J.P. Singa. <laughs> See what I did there, fella? <laughs> Somebody actually had mentioned this to me before. I can't they're I like, the first well, I think you're like the second, so there, there's, there's still has there still hasn't been many. I, I, I can't even remember what they said, but it was like a play on that. I don't know if they were suggesting that I change my stage name so that it had something to do with sing. Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm good. I think I think I'm I think I'm okay. <laughs> JP, um, once again, thank you for your time and indulging me in the way I host my intentionally weird little show. Again, I've heard Listen to Your Heart. I think it's a beautiful song. You've always struck me as not only a great artist, but a good person, even though we've only hung out about a handful of times. Having you in my life has been a part of the potpourri of things that make it beautiful. And uh, I love what you're doing. Do you want to introduce? Oh, thanks, man. Oh, yeah. Say things back to me. I want to hear that. (laughs) Thank you for inviting me on. Again, I feel I feel really lucky to be able to um, to chat with you about all music stuff, and I really do hope that we get to a point where we can add to our list of uh, <laughs> encounters and we can jam again. So uh, this is the second single from the album project. It's called For Your Sympathy, and it actually features Mark Pelly, um, who is the guitarist for the Juno Award-winning group Magic. The light from your porch burns through the screen and yearns to be seen On cause and on place They rush to be near With hearts and with tears The world at the end Is a day yet again A day like yesterday an honest mistake, I am sure The time will reveal Your absence no more So I'll wait 
to hail down all over me. I will be found when you come around again. Listening to another episode of the Todd Donald Show, starring, produced, and edited by Todd Donald. The piano music in the rap is by JP Sunga, who you can find at jpsunga.com. The theme music is Mackie Alkino by William Chernoff. Find him at chernoff.band. And I'm Milo Axelrod, Todd's favorite bar none human voice. And I'm not bragging, he wrote this. If you'd like to hear more of my voice, check out my podcast, Describing a Rock. 
in which I describe some rocks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please support The Todd Donald Show by sharing it with anyone who might enjoy it. Follow and interact with at Todd Donald Show on Twitter and Instagram. And if you feel like going the extra mile on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review, preferably in its favor. Have a great day, friends. it might affect not sorry i'm sorry i'm i'm an asshole (laughs) i don't need to lead you right now you're saying it i'm so sorry start that again (laughs) okay Um, (laughs) fuck that guy todd god damn it stupid (laughs) i swear the t-shirt like it's the delay I don't um, need my help. Okay. Man. You got this. I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, it's all good. Um